The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Book of Second Chronicles, chapter number 32. Let me go ahead and uh, if you have something that you can wedge in your Bible, Isaiah 36 is going to be the other passage that we're going to be flipping back and forth. So Isaiah chapter number 36 Second Chronicles chapter number 32. Now we haven't called, uh, we haven't titled this uh, series The Danger of Stepping Out of the Will of God and it's really been one of looking at the kings of Judah. And as we have been studying here through the kings, we have come across some that personally desired a reviving in their own heart with the Lord. And let me tell you something, that that's where it all begins for every single one of us. When it is personal, when we are hungering and thirsting after God, when in our own life we are desiring a a deeper relationship with Him, it impacts others. And we saw and we have been seeing here in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, here now through verse, or chapter 32, that this character Hezekiah, or King Hezekiah. And uh, what, a, what a tremendous man of God he was. His dad was about as wicked as any king that we've come across, Ahaz. His dad did that despicable thing of taking his own flesh and blood and offering them up in burnt offerings to pagan deities. Now, I can't imagine, I, God blessed us with seven children, I have uh, grandchildren, I can't imagine taking a precious little baby and offering it into a furnace of fire to a pagan god. And yet that's what Hezekiah's dad did. That's the depravity of that era. Matter of fact, uh, they shut down the temple Uh, during his father's day and they allowed all kinds of pagan idols to be set up in the temple of God and as we go through the text we realize that uh, this decadence as bad as it was God was able to turn it around because of one man that desired to have a heart that was thoroughly right with God and that was his own son Hezekiah And we've been looking at what God will do with a a man in bringing revival to his life, to his family, to his community, to his nation, and then other nations as well. And that's the picture that we have here uh, in our text. Now, let me just kind of bring up to date from where we were last Sunday, 2 Chronicles. We were in chapter number 31 in the last couple verses or the last verse that gave us really the committed heart of Hezekiah. It kind of summed up his testimony. And so the last verse of chapter number 31, the Bible says, and in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. What, what was Hezekiah all about? He, he was all about doing that which is good and that which is right and the truth. And because of that, God was able to bring a national revival. And chapter number 31 is that reviving. And, and uh, well, if you ever want to study what a nation looks like when they are right with God, you study chapter number 31. 
So we started into chapter 32 last week and we saw a crisis right after we find the heart of Hezekiah. The very next verse is about a crisis that comes into his life. Chapter 32, verse 1. After these things and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city, and they did help him. We saw in Hezekiah's life that when crisis comes, we see Hezekiah really spiritually making some wonderful decisions. My question here this morning is, when crisis comes into your life, what's your fallback? I mean, what's your default? Where where do you naturally go? Is it God? Is it seeking God? Is it seeking God's face? Is it God's word? Is it allowing the Holy Spirit to just help us, being that comforter that He alone can be? What we see during the time of crisis here for Hezekiah, he's seeking counsel. He's seeking cooperation from uh, those godly leaders that he established. They do some construction, building up some towers to defend themselves against Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. He enlisted some captains. He offered comfort to the people. Uh, He gave some clarity of focus. He said, listen, let's just look to God. He's our captain. He's our champion. Let's trust in him. And then, beginning in verse number 20, we see them crying out to the Lord in prayer. So let's jump into the text this morning and and kind of fill in the blanks as Sennacherib uh, shows up with his army. And our first thought this morning, if you're taking notes, is the discouragement of the wicked. We're in chapter number 32 And uh, we're going to see here verse number 17 and verse number 18. Follow along as I read. He wrote also letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel. Now Sennacherib, the, the, the king of Assyria, has his own men that are coming down around Jerusalem to terrorize God's man, Hezekiah, and the the city. And, and they have come with a great army. We're going to see that in uh, Isaiah chapter number 36. But here as they surround them, we see the source of the discouragement is this man, Sennacherib, and the entire army of the Assyrians. Now, they know something about the Assyrians because their ten tribes to the north have already been carried away into captivity. Assyrians were a great power, the power of that day. And uh, wherever they went, they destroyed those nations before them. And so those ten northern tribes are taken off into captivity. And now the focus is on Jerusalem. The focus is here on Hezekiah and uh, his kingdom. And so we see the source of the discouragement is really Sennacherib and this entire army. Now, the Bible says specifically in verse number 17, there's a letter that is written, and this is important for later on in the, in the study, but in verse 17, he wrote also letters 
to rail on the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, as the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people out of mine hand, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of mine hand. Not only do you see verse 17, this letter, but verse 18 says that he cried aloud. Let me read verse 18. Then they cried with a loud voice in the Jews' speech unto the people of Jerusalem that were on the wall to affright them and to trouble them that they might take the city. Now the truth is they know exactly the heart of Hezekiah. They know that he loves God. They know that he's trying to do his best to encourage the people. That Hezekiah is the one that's saying, listen, there is no power greater than the power of our God. Hezekiah has been walking with the Lord. Hezekiah has seen God show up time and time again in his own life. And so Hezekiah, you can see him as the great cheerleader. He's saying, listen, don't falter, don't faint. Keep your eyes on God. God's our captain. God's our champion. And so Hezekiah, with his love for God and his conviction that God is bigger than any crisis that can come your way, the enemy recognizes it and they say, okay, we we know how Hezekiah is going to respond, but how are the people going to respond? And so not only the letters went to Hezekiah, but they lifted up their voice and they're yelling at the folks on the top of the wall. A loud voice. They are mocking God. They are, they, they, they are impugning the integrity of God. They're blaspheming God. And they're reminding the people listening on the wall that, listen, our army is bigger than any God anywhere. And, of course, in the time of crisis, there will be a source uh, of discouragement that will try to get us to get our eyes off of our God and get our eyes on the crisis. And let me tell you this morning that Satan really doesn't have any new tricks in his bag. He just uses the same ones over and over and over again. You may be in a crisis this morning. You know what he wants you to do? He wants you to work through it yourself. He just wants you to handle it. That's what Satan wants. Just you handle it. And yet God says, no, there's a better way. Let me be your captain. Let me be your champion. Trust me. Believe me. Rest in me. And so Hezekiah believes that with all of his heart. So the discouragement comes from the wicked one. And in this case, Sennacherib is a picture here, uh, really, of Satan's attempts to discourage the people of God. And he'll use every means he can. Are you discouraged this morning? Oh, I would hope that in your crisis that you would recognize that God knows all about it and that God's bigger than your crisis today and that you can trust in Him, you can rest in Him. So not only, letter A, do you see the source, but you also see that there's a siege that is taking place. They've surrounded the city of Jerusalem and they are going to try to starve them out. Here's what verse 18 says. Then they cried with a loud voice in the Jews' speech unto the people of Jerusalem that were on the wall to affright them and to trouble them and that they might take the city. Uh, We have some verses here in verse 9, 10, and 11 that kind of describe a little bit of the sense of the siege. 
And, uh, and verse 11, some of the taunting, notice what they were saying. Doth not Hezekiah pers- uh, uh, doeth not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God shall deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And what they're doing is they're saying, listen, Hezekiah is saying that God will deliver you, but let me tell you, you're going to die of starvation. And, 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 and there'll be no water. And this siege of your city will bring you ultimately to your death. Oh, that's pretty discouraging. <laughs> and we see here that that is where really Satan is wanting all of us to live. Not in the realm of God is all-powerful but that God is impotent. Not that God can do anything. Uh, that's the teaching of the Word of God. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. And yet Satan would have us to believe that God's impotent. He's powerless. He's not able to come to our aid. And so we have the siege mentality taking place here. Verse 12, Hath not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, Ye shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it? They, they really know Hezekiah because of his testimony. They recognize that Hezekiah is not just a politician that says words with no deeds following the words. And by the way, in every election, just don't listen to what they say. Listen to what they do, and that'll help you and guide you. And, and Hezekiah is one of those politicians that actually did what he said. So it wasn't just words. It was deeds. And, and then throughout the text, we see the scoffing that's taking place where they're mocking God and mocking uh, the man of God, Hezekiah. All right, so number one, the discouragement of the wicked. My heart this morning is to... Just let God use this text to lift your heart. Because I know in any particular week, crisis can arrive. Any week that we gather together, somebody else is going through a difficulty, a hardship. And all the reality that in those times of crisis, our God is already there. So number two, we see the deliverance from God's warrior. And that's the Boy, Isaiah 36 and here 2 Chronicles 32 are both marvelous pictures of God's ability to deliver us. So number two, the deliverance from God's warrior. First of all, letter A, the haughtiness of the enemy. And Satan is filled with himself and pride. And they really somehow believe that in the end they're going to beat God. And aren't you glad that we're on God's team? Uh, aren't you glad that we win? <laughs> and, uh, and not because of who we are, but who Christ is. And, and Satan's going to fight to the bitter end. But the haughtiness and pride of the enemy is really lived out here from verse 13 to verse number 16 as they are speaking against the Lord. But I want you to see the humility of King Hezekiah in verse number 20. How do you react in crisis? What do you do? What's your default? What's your fallback? Look at verse 20. 
And for this cause, he's gotten these letters. He's listening to these men crying with a loud voice in the Jewish language so that everybody on the wall would get terrified and they would take the news that they heard and pass it to the next and pass it to the next and pass it to the next until everybody in the city is absolutely terrified of King Sennacherib and his huge army. And yet, here's the response of the man of God. And for this cause, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried to heaven. The haughtiness of the enemy, the humility of God's people, the helplessness of the people of God. I want you to go to Isaiah right now, chapter 37, for just a second. And again, the prophet Isaiah is a part of this prayer meeting. And so we have an actually a, a detailed account of all that was going on there in Second Chronicles here in Isaiah 36 and 37. I'd encourage you to take those two chapters and read them side by side with what's going on in Second Chronicles because there's details I can't cover this morning that are in these two chapters about the background, uh, names, uh, things that are done specifically that, that, that are so detailed here that you can study here on your own. But we're, we're going to see here in Isaiah 37 that what is sought is the help of God. So we have the same text, uh, and uh, let's, just, let's just read here a couple verses here when it comes to the prayer. And we're in Isaiah 37, verse 15. And Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. I love this passage because we actually have the prayer. In Second Chronicles, you just have, they prayed. And then God answered the prayer. Here you have the prayer. Look at the next verse. And the scripture says in verse 17, Incline thy ear, O Lord, and hear. Open thine eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste uh, all the nations and their countries and have cast their gods into the fire for they were no gods but the work of men's hands wood and stone therefore they have destroyed them now therefore O Lord our God save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord even thou alone the help of God that's what we need in times of crisis. Just to call out to him and just to let God know that we need him. So when we deal with the deliverance, we have the haughtiness. Guys, just flip right through those, all right? Uh, we have the humility of the king. We have the helplessness of God's people. And now we have the help of God. Prayer unleashes heaven. It really does. You being humble before God, recognizing that you're not the answer, but you know God is the answer. That's the need of the hour. And God can absolutely turn upside down the enemy and all that he desires to do 
as we go to prayer. That's where deliverance comes. I'm going to take you to chapter 37, verse 36, to give you a description of what happened. God sent one angel we mentioned last week. Here it's described in verse 36 of Isaiah 37. Then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote the camp of the Assyrians, a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. Listen, that's God. That's what God can do when we're trusting in God and not trusting in ourselves. You say, how, how big an army was that? Well, that's 185,000 soldiers that are dead. They, they, with one angel going to battle against these 185,000, they were no match. And so as they woke up and they looked out of the, the, the city over the walls, they saw just a sea of corpses all around the city of Jerusalem because God had taken care of their problem. God had delivered them. What are we saying this morning? That when, when there's times of discouragement, God can deliver. When there's a crisis that comes into our life and, and the source of that crisis is satanic in nature, the enemy is coming in like a flood. You seem like there's a, there's a siege uh, around you and their intent is, is absolutely destroying you. There is deliverance in our God and we praise Him for that. Let's go on to number three, back to Second Chronicles chapter 32. And I want us to see here a declaration concerning the way of all men. Now we're transitioning uh, Second Chronicles chapter 32 and we, we, we've dealt with a battle and a crisis that is national in scope. It wasn't just Hezekiah's life on the line, it was his entire family. It wasn't just his entire family, it was everybody that was in the city of Jerusalem and surrounding the city of Jerusalem. Every life was in danger, and yet God showed up. And, and sometimes there are crises like that that come in our life that are natural in, uh, national in scope. And we need to recognize that God's big enough to deal with the national issues that go on in nations. And God is still desiring for us to exalt Him. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord, the Scripture says. God, God brings joy to that nation that allows God to be Lord in that nation. And so in those cases, God's there. Let's go on to another difficulty here in Second Chronicles chapter number 32. And this is more personal in nature. Would you look at verse number 24 with me? Second Chronicles chapter 32 verse 24. In those days, Hezekiah was sick to the death and prayed unto the Lord, and he spake unto him, and he gave him a sign. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him from upon Judah and Jerusalem, notwithstanding Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not unto him in the days of Hezekiah. Now, we're looking at the very last 
days of Hezekiah's life as king, and they were numbered. And, and the prophet Isaiah is going to come to the king and say, listen, get your house in order. You're going you're gonna to meet God. And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and began crying out to God and asked that God here would help him. So let's go through the text here. There's a declaration concerning the way of all men. Number one, a problem concerning sickness. We find the same thing there in Isaiah chapter 36, verse number one. If you're going back and forth, the, the, the scripture allows us to see this picture uh, in both these texts. So a problem concerning sickness, the proclamation of the seer or the prophet. Let me read chapter 38 of Isaiah, and I'm going to read here verse number 1, and we'll get a, a feeling for it. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. There's a problem, there's a proclamation, and there's a prayerful supplication. You've got to give this to Hezekiah. When, tri- when crisis comes in his life, this boy knows how to pray. It seems like no matter how big or how small, he just knew how to get a hold of God. He knew something about walking intimately with God in his prayer closet. And, and not, not just going through the motions of praying, but God hearing and God answering. Uh, and, and you have to admire that about old Hezekiah. So there's prayerful supplication. And God answers him and said, okay, I'm going to raise you up. And, uh, and he says, well, what sign are you going to give me that you're going to raise me up? He says, I'm going to go ahead and take that sundial and make it go backwards. Pretty amazing on, on the absolute miracles that Hezekiah was able to see in his life. And so this is a declaration concerning the way of all men. Listen, all of us have one life to invest. And oh, how we ought to be wise with the life that God's given to us. We don't know when our last day will be our last day. Isaiah came and gave Hezekiah some warning. He said, this sickness, you're not going to recover from it. This sickness is going to take you out of this earthly realm into the eternal realm. And Hezekiah says, I'm just not ready. And so we see he makes this personal request. Well, does God answer? Here we're in Isaiah 38. Would you look at verse number 5 where God grants the answer to his prayer? A definite work of God, number four in your notes, a definite work of God. God answered prayer. Verse five here, Isaiah is going to receive from the Lord this message. And so the message is verse five, go and say to Hezekiah, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years 15 years so we have the granting of 15 additional years letter a not only that but in the next verse verse number six god makes an additional promise and i will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of assyria and i will defend this city so he's granted the 15 years letter b God's going to be the guard here of God's people. 
And then we see that God is going to give guidance when it comes to healing in the life of Hezekiah. The cure, you you find it here later on in verse number 21. You can read it here. For Isaiah had said, let them take a lump of figs, lay it for a plaster upon the boil, and he shall recover. Hezekiah also had said, what is a sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? So God did the work. God instructed Isaiah to tell him, I'm going to give you 15 more years. And I'm going to watch over the city of Jerusalem. And Assyria is not going to come and not going to take uh, the city. And, and God's guidance is seen in allowing Isaiah to understand the need for this fig poultice. And he put that on what is described here uh, as uh, a boil. And he recovered from his sickness. So we see the definite work of God. And then lastly, and this is very important for us to get a hold of this concept, but number five, a delaying of God's wrath. I want to share something with you here. In these 15 years, Hezekiah had a a wonderful opportunity to serve God in such a way that God could get much more glory. But we read in the text that he got proud. After God had been so gracious to him, It seemed like God allowed him to be fully recovered from a terminal disease and instead of glorifying God and being tender to God and maintaining that spirit of revival, he got a little proud. He he, he got a a little beyond God and uh, and, and, and that pride uh, allowed... um, Well, it allowed an open door here for Satan into the kingdom. So letter A is Hezekiah's pride, chapter 32 of 2 Chronicles. Let's go back there as we finish this up this morning. 2 Chronicles, chapter number 32. And the Bible says now in verse number 25, these words, But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. This is following the fact that he had the sickness in verse 24 and that God healed him of the sickness. But in verse 25, we see here, he rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up. Listen, if God ever does anything good in your life, don't you take the credit. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. And for you and I that have receive so much from the good hand of God. Oh, don't let pride now become that barrier between you and God. See, God has to resist the proud, the Bible says. He gives grace to the humble. And yet he'll resist you, even even though he's benefited you with tremendous blessings. So Hezekiah's pride is on display. But the very next verse talks about his repentance or penitence notwithstanding Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. You say, what if I find myself this morning proud? Pastor, what what if I've received the good hand of God and then I've forgotten how good God's been to my life and, and, and I've gotten too big for my own britches? What should I do? Just humble yourself. Just humble yourself. Just recognize where pride took you. 
and, and recognize that God's looking for uh, those that would have a, a, a humble, contrite heart. He's ready to forgive. God's not going to hold anything against us. He died for all of our sins. And if we just confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the God of this book. And what a blessing to know that, yes, as pride comes, oh, it ought to be followed here with that repentance, that penitence. And then look at what God is able to do. Verse 37, And Hezekiah had exceeding much riches and honor, and he made himself treasures for silver and of gold and for precious stones. And we can go on to the text and see his prosperity. And, and God did bless him in some marvelous ways. But let me remind you, somewhere in that 15 years, pride got in to his life. In that 15 years, there was no longer a walk of revival. He wasn't out of God's will too long. I don't know exactly how long, but he was out of God's will. And let me tell you something, that sometimes those moments that were out of God's will have eternal, eternal consequences. See, he asked for God to, to, to spare his life, and God favored him with how many years? Fifteen years. And yet we know during those 15 years, something happens that's pretty dramatic, and you see a little bit of it in chapter 33, verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. All right, so 15 years, extra grace. God's mercy, God's goodness, and in those 15 years, instead of just maintaining that heart of revival, he said, I'm going to let pride rule in my life. I'm going to step out of the will of God. I'm going to go ahead and backslide. I'm going to go ahead and live my life like I want to live it for a while, totally oblivious to the reality that in those 15 years, God gave him a precious little life, a brand new son by the name of Manasseh. And this Manasseh, although he's born in this 15-year period, is going to become one of the worst kings that ever ruled and reigned in Israel. You say, well, pastor, me being out of God's will is not that big of a deal. I think it is. When we're not in fellowship with the Lord and we get out of God's will, there are consequences sometimes that come our way during those moments that we for all eternity are going to wish we could pull those back. But we can't. And Manasseh is going to rule here as a 12-year-old spoiled, godless brat. And I'm not going to take this next week because of our voters, and I won't take it the other week because moms, you don't want to hear about Manasseh. All right, that's not a Mother's Day message, okay? Uh, but we'll follow up after Mother's Day on Manasseh, and we'll get an idea of really how sad it is at the latter end of our life not to be faithful to the Lord. Listen, there's so many in this church that God has allowed you to walk with Him for decade after decade after decade after decade. Don't at the end of your life allow pride or any other sin keep you from fellowship with God. Walk with Him and, and, and enjoy His good hand. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. 
If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.